It's cute. It's cuddly. Got the baby Jesus in there. Gives you a warm fuzzy. Um, But the second coming, people don't really like to hear. It's not so popular to talk about the second coming because Jesus isn't a cuddly little baby anymore. He's going to come back as a king, and we're going to talk more about that. So it's not real popular to to preach on the things we're going to look into today. But but I really think it's important for us to do this because uh, the Bible even tells us that during this time that people aren't going to like preaching that doesn't itch their ears. Like it's it's crazy. In Second Timothy four chapter three or chapter four verse three, it says that they're wanting to have their ears tickled. In other words, where you got a niche, you want it scratched. Now, my dog, Gemma, she'll stop everything she's doing if I start scratching her ears. She likes nothing more than a good scratch. But that's not too much different than Christianity today. Christians like to come to church. They like to hear a, a real friendly, bubbly message that they walk away feeling, feeling good to go. And But that's not always what we find in the Bible. There's some topics in there that are tough. There's some topics in there that are a little scary. And and the second coming is one of those things. So as we dive in here today, I want us just to to not uh, turn our brains off. Because it's a topic that maybe isn't very fun. But if you know Jesus Christ, it's a really fun topic. And as we'll find out, We'll be following Jesus when he comes back, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but, but it's important for us to, to pay attention today, to listen to this. Because this second coming, if it becomes important to us in our lives, it, it's going to change our lives. It'll change the way we live. Interesting fact, uh, the Bible has 1,845 references to the second coming. It outnumbers the references to the first coming, 8 to 1. And one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament reference the second coming, or point to the second coming. So, this is not something that God just kind of tucked away, maybe in, in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation there, for us to you know, try to figure out. No, this is, this is emphasized in the Bible, this second coming. It's not something that we should take lightly. It's, it's an important thing to God, so it should be an important thing to us. Now, cause, because this event, the second coming of Christ, it's so important to him because it's the actual event where God finally gets his glory. The first time he came back, he was mocked and he was beaten and he was you know, made fun of and all these terrible things. But when he comes back, he's going to get all the glory he deserves. Amen? All right, but we're going to look in in the text here in Second Peter chapter three, where Peter he's he's got a special relationship with some people, and when he's writing his First Peter and Second Peter, he's writing to this group of people in in these cities: Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. These are all people in these churches in these areas, and he's writing to them, and and he's got a special relationship with them. So what he wants to do today is he wants to, in this chapter, he wants to remind them about something very important. He wants to remind them that Jesus is coming back. Because I don't know about you guys, but when there's something that's happening in the future, and you don't know when it's going to happen, 
in the midst of life, in the midst of doing other things, it's super easy to forget it, right? I'm notoriously bad at birthdays. I just realized, don't, don't judge me too much, I just realized I forgot my grandma's birthday. It was December 18th, so i got to make up for that. But I'm, I'm not very good at remembering birthdays and dates because they're kind of in the future, and I've got so much going on today. So a lot of times we, we forget about these future events, like the second coming of Christ. But Peter is wanting to remind his friends, his brothers and sisters in Christ here about this. And I hope that it can be the same thing for you today. Because I know God has used it to really remind me about the second coming. So why don't we turn to Second Peter chapter 3. And we're going we're gonna to read through verses 1 through 13. And we're going to dive into it then and break it down a little more. So let's look at verse 1. It says, This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come, with their mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at this time, or at that time, was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your, no, escape your notice, beloved, that with the, the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Let's pray before we go any further. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can dig into it, we can dive into it this morning, and that you promise you'll use it in our lives. So, God, we submit ourselves to you this morning. We ask you to just use your spirit to talk to us, to speak to us through your word. And that most of all, that, that you would change us for your glory. So just give us uh, extra energy this morning, attentiveness to hear what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's hop into this here. We're going to look first at the remember or the reminder of his second coming. The reminder of his second coming. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 for that. And I wanted you to notice one thing. 
in verse 1 there, notice how he addresses these people. He calls them beloved. He calls them beloved. Have you ever called anyone beloved? Only people, maybe you say, I love you, right? And you only say that to people that you're really close to, that you really love. And this, this word beloved is the same word that the father used when he called Jesus his son, his beloved son, after Jesus was baptized. And Peter's referring to them here as beloved. And in this chapter, he calls them beloved five different times. Peter loves these people. And that's why he's sharing what he's going to share with them. He loves them. So he starts off reminding them that, hey, you guys know that the Old Testament prophets, like Enoch, Daniel, Zechariah, all these prophets, they, they prophesy about the second coming of Christ, but also the commandments of Jesus. They heard the words of Jesus and how, how he prophesied about the second coming. And then the apostles, as they wrote in Matthew and Acts and John and Revelation, they all, they all prophesied about this, this second coming. And Peter's just reminding them that, hey, you, you know this. You've read this before, but I still need to put it into your mind again. I need you to remind you of it. You know why? Because Peter has a great concern. Peter's concerned for them. Because at this time... It says that there was mockers or scoffers, other versions say. And, and what they're saying is, when is Jesus coming back? I mean, they're questioning, when is he coming back? He hasn't come back yet. And, and Peter is concerned that his friends are going to get negatively influenced to where they start to believe these mockers. They start to believe the lies that they're saying. And it says in there in, in verse 4 that in the last days. If you've read your Bible for any length, you've probably noticed the phrase last days all through the Bible. In this last days is, is that time frame after Jesus rose or ascended to heaven to the time he comes back. These are the last days. And, and folks, we are in the last of the last days. I firmly believe that, that, that we, are, we are near the end of those last days. But he says in these last days, there will come mockers. And there will come those that, that will question whether Jesus is returning. Because it's been how many years? 2,000 years, 2,000 plus years since Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven. And when is he going to come back? These mockers. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll look at this on the screen. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, it, it gives us some details about this last days where these mockers are, are living. And uh, as we read this, you'll realize this sounds a lot like our culture today. It says in verse 1, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, Whew, the list goes on and on, lovers of pleasure 
rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power. That's pretending to be godly right there. Avoid such men as these. That's what this this last days. And you can look back through history and you can apply all these things throughout history. I'm not saying that our culture is the worst culture ever. Because all these things you can see throughout history. But, but isn't it amazing that the Bible describes our culture so perfectly? Because we're living in the last days. And in the last days, mockers will come and say, where is the promise of his coming? Where is Jesus going to come? And these mockers, they influence us by, by placing doubt in God. We question God's word. Uh, they portray God as a liar. And they place God on their timeline, not God's timeline. You see, God's on his timeline, not ours. And he's going to come back when he wants to. So all these mockers, they can influence us in this negative way. And that's what Peter was worried about, that his friends, his fellow believers, were going to be influenced and turned away from God because of these mockers. But, you know, Satan, Satan really wants that in all of our lives, right? He wants us to doubt God, question his word, portray him as a liar when we talk about him, and put God on our timetable. I mean, these are all things that Satan wants in our lives. So, my brothers and sisters, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. And they even keep saying in verse 4 that, that in my version here, They keep saying, my dad told me he was coming. My grandpa told me he was coming. My great-grandpa told me he was coming. But yet he isn't here yet. They keep saying these things for months, for days, for years, for decades, for centuries, for millennium. They've been saying he's coming. But he hasn't come yet. He hasn't come yet. But let me tell you one thing. God's prophecies come true if you research the old testament you look at the prophecies of his first coming it was like the chances of that happening were like nothing but god made it all happen these prophecies came true so i can tell you that when you read in the bible that jesus is coming back again he's coming back again because he doesn't just tell the truth he is the truth He's not a liar. He is the truth. So he's coming back again. He's made a promise. It's a done deal. Don't let those mockers sway you at all because he is coming back. But let's look a little bit at the reality of his coming. What will this be like? What what will this be like? Let's look again here in verses 5 through 10 in uh, 2 Peter 3. It says, For when they maintain this, these, these mockers... It escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed by being flooded with water. You remember the flood where Noah built the boat. God flooded the earth and preserved Noah and his family. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like one day. 
And the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. You see these mockers, they, they forget something. They forget that Jesus brought judgment one other time. And they forget that he brought it with water and he destroyed everything on the earth. They forget that God has the power to do whatever he wants. They forget that he can bring judgment and destroy things whenever. They forget this. And they think that because he hasn't done anything for a while that it's not going to happen. They're fools. We can't be fooled. We got to trust. We got to believe that Jesus will do what he says. Because in Isaiah 66, 15 and 16, up here on the screen, it says, For behold, the Lord will come in fire. Not water this time. <laughs> He's going to come in fire in his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment by fire and by his sword on all flesh. And those slain by the Lord will be many. This is a reality. This second coming is a reality. And he's coming with fire and vengeance. And I know it's not fun. It doesn't sit well. But it's a reality. It's a tough reality. But what's taking him so long to come back? That's the big question. What's taking him so long? Right? We've been waiting for over 2,000 years. Where's he at? You see, Jesus has a different time perspective. Did you notice in verse 8 there? It says that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like one day. Jesus isn't sitting up in heaven getting bored. Like I've played all the apps I can find on my phone. I'm bored. I need some new content. No. He's o it's only like two days for him. He's on a different time perspective. It may be a long time for us, but for him it's not. He's not getting bored. He's waiting. He's patient. And we're thankful that he's patient. Because what does it say there in verse 9? says the Lord's not slow about his promise, but he's patient towards you. Amen? He's patient towards us. He's patient. He could have came back a long time ago. You and I wouldn't even be sitting here. But he's patient. He's patient and willing that none should perish. wants to have that relationship with you and if you're here today and I know I'm talking about fire and vengeance and judgment but that hasn't happened yet God is being patient for you and God wants a relationship with you today that same God that's bringing fire is the same God that came to this earth in peace and died to pay for your sins so that you can have a relationship with him and that's why he's patient. 
because he loves you. Jesus loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. Do you remember the, the verses in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But we don't read this verse much. Verse 17 then says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world this first time, but that the world might be saved through him. That's what he wants to do to you today. He wants to save you from your sins. So if you haven't given your life to him today, you need to do that. Because we don't know when that second coming is going to happen. We don't know when he's coming back. And it's too late then. But he's being patient for you because he loves you. But don't test his patience. Like verse 10 says there, the day will come, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. When a thief comes, does he turn on all the lights, make a big announcement? Hey, I'm a thief. I'm here. No. A thief comes unexpectedly. A thief comes when you're not ready for it. It says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.2 that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We won't know when it's coming. And it even says in Mark chapter 13 and verse 32 that, that no one knows besides the Father when he'll come back. Jesus, the Son, doesn't even know. Try to wrap your brain around that a little bit. But it says there that not the angels nor the Son, but only the Father knows when he's coming back. No one knows. You know, it's, it's kind of fun whenever uh, my parents or, or my wife's parents come to town. We know they're coming. We don't know exactly when they left. We don't know how long, how many potty breaks they're going to take and all that. And the kids say, when, when's Grandma and Grandpa coming? We're like, I don't know, but they'll be here soon. That's the way we need to look at Jesus' coming. I don't know when he's coming, but he'll be here soon. So get ready. Be alert. Get ready. And in Revelation chapter 3, it talks about a church, period. Well, it's a letter to a church. So it refers to a, a church period called the Laodicean church period. And if you study Revelation 1 through 3, you, you begin to see the, the periods of history throughout church history. And Laodicea describes our time period to a T. And right after that, we see, see John is, is taken up to heaven in reference to the rapture of the church. And then we see the second coming four times, just like his first coming was four times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see four Occurrences of his second coming described in Revelation. And we just see, see this, this incredible descriptions and descriptions of the second coming. And, and as we see those, we start to understand some things about the second coming. But, but let me just break down a couple of them for you real quick. Because I don't want you to walk away with just like, yeah, I know he's coming, but I have no idea what that looks like. But the Bible tells us some details. It says... That he's coming with clouds. He's coming with clouds. And 
In most times in the Bible, when you see God appearing, there's clouds. Whether he's on Mount Sinai, whether he's in the temple, whether you see references of people in, in heaven seeing him, there's clouds around him. In Matthew 24 and verse 30, tells us in reference here to the second coming, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Like I said before, it's no baby Jesus. He's coming with power and glory this time. And he's coming in clouds. So look for a cloudy day. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the day he's coming. But power and glory. And this is my favorite description of his second coming right here in Revelation 19. Hang on to this, okay? Pay attention to this. This is incredible. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16, it says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. For all of you that wondered if there was animals in heaven, there's a horse. A white horse. And he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems or crowns. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, We're following him on white horses. We get white horses too. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. Look at verse 16. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, say it with me, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's my king. Is that your king? He's coming back like that. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords coming with power and glory. Power and glory. But where's he coming back? Where's he going to land? How do we know, you know, where's he going to come down? And the Bible tells us this too. In Acts chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, whenever, right after he, he, he ascends to heaven... These these angels are talking uh, to the disciples, and they say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? Because they were like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. Jesus just floated up into heaven. Why are you looking in the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, or the Mount of Olives which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. So where would that point of impact be? The Mount of Olives. It says in Zechariah 14.4, In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move towards the north, the other half towards the south. When he comes down... He's landing on that mountain and splitting it, right? He isn't just a little guy anymore. He's not just a baby. 
He's coming down and splitting mountains, splitting mountains. And he's going to come down and he's going to rescue the city of Jerusalem at that battle of Armageddon. He comes down, he's going to take care of business. You don't want to be there. I go into more detail, but I hope this spurs you on to study a little bit. I hope it spurs you on to interest you like, ah, let me study this a little bit. Dive into it. We don't have more time this morning to, to go deeper into that, but, but spend a little time reading, studying these things. So that's the reality. It is a reality. It's going to happen. We don't know exactly when, but it's going to happen. So if we know it's a reality, what is the response to his second coming? What is our response supposed to be? Peter reminds us here. In verse 11, he says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So why do we need to be reminded? We need to be reminded. And Peter tells them that I'm reminding you because it should affect the way you live. It should affect the the way you think. It should affect the way you talk. It should affect the decisions you make. He says that you should conduct yourself with holiness and godliness then. Holiness and godliness. In the things we do, we think, we speak, let it affect our hearts. Let it affect our, our, our world view and how we look at things and how we do stuff. But he doesn't just say like holiness and godliness, but he says looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. He's like, have a passion and a desire for him to come back. I know sometimes we're like, oh, I have loved ones that don't know Jesus and I've got friends and, and I just, just, just don't come back yet. But he says here that we need a passion for his coming. Because our number one goal in life is to bring God glory, right? And the day that brings him the most glory is a day that we should be passionate about. The day we should be passionate about. So let it affect how we live. Let it affect how we think, how we do things. And then just have a passion looking for the day when heaven and earth will be filled with righteousness. You know, that day when there's peace on earth, that day where there isn't sin pulling us down, there isn't sin coming against us, there isn't Satan weaving his, his webs with his, with his demons trying to, to mess things up. When God comes back, sets things right, there's peace and righteousness. We need to look for that day. We need to desire that day to come. And I really hope that this message today is a great reminder for you. I know it was for me. I know it impacted me a lot just studying this, and, and I hope it does you. So as we go into this new year, like, let, let us have passion. Let us you know, think differently about the second coming of Christ. Because it's a reality. It's going to happen. So let's change how we live. 
Let me leave you with uh, some of the words of the Apostle John in Revelation 22 and verse 20. He ends that verse and says, Even so, come Lord Jesus. And let's pray that he'll come today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that, that you've promised us Thank you that you didn't leave us in the dark, that you made it clear to us in your word that you'll be coming back. Because life gets hard here on this sinful earth and as we live in these sinful bodies. And, and God, we desire a day where you rule and reign. We desire a day where there's peace and righteousness everywhere we turn. know when you're coming but we know you are and we trust that and God help us to live differently because of that promise help us to have an urgency in our lives to tell people about you because right now you're being patient you're being full of love and you desire that, that none of us would perish that all would come to repentance. God, I pray for those in here this morning that haven't received that grace, that haven't repented to you of their sin. I pray that there would be nothing standing in their room to do that today. That you would just uh, help them to take that leap of faith in what you did for them your love today. Oh, we just give you glory, and I pray as we sing now that we'd be like those angels in heaven that day and night sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We bring you so much glory. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And this morning, if you, uh, if you would like to his first coming through communion <clears throat> we've got communion elements over there and just remember that that first coming he shed his blood his body was beaten so that we could have a relationship with him so that he could take care of sin in our life so if you want to take that today feel free to do that also I don't know if we have anyone that will be over here um, to pray with you but we'll you need to pray with someone, I'll be around. Uh, there may be some folks over here in the prayer corner. Feel free to come over and we'll, we'd love to pray with you. And uh, just thank you so much for, for coming today. Let's stand and let's, uh, let's worship God.